Hello and welcome to the first 2019 version of the Power Sweep podcast presented by North Coast Sports. Antonio Castro here once again with my partner in crime, Chris Van Dyne, here to go over some of the uh, more intriguing matchups of the week. First, before we get into that, just want to remind everybody, if you have not signed up for your Power Sweep subscription yet, Please do so. You can get it. It's still $99 for the emailed version. We've got the opening week of the NFL kicking off. Uh, those NFL four stars in the power sweep have been lights out the last two years, hitting at a 66% rate. And uh, the last five weeks uh, of the season last year went 37-1 and on the star basis. Just an incredible, incredible run uh, in the NFL. Obviously, uh, you know what we do in college uh, each and every week putting out the best plays out there. Our underdog play of the week is a consistent winner. Four-star, a couple of three-stars, and, and a couple of two-stars out there for you as well. Our top plays last weekend for the first week of college football, we won our top uh, side play on Rutgers. We won our top total play for our late phones, uh, going with the under in that Northwestern and Stanford game, and uh, looking to, to build on that uh, for this season. And, uh, again, Pick up your issue of Power Sweep. You can see all the specials on the back page there. It's as low as $99 right now for that email version. Uh, pick up future subscriptions to Power Sweep as well. You can get future subscriptions for only $69 for the email version. Really recommend you doing that uh, and, and saving the money there as well. And uh, if you're interested in the Top Play Trio this week, we'll touch on that before we get into our plays. Top Play Trio is the top side selection in college, the top total selection in college, College, and then our top NFL play on Sunday. You can get those three plays for as low as $59 this weekend. Again, you can get those three plays for as low as $59 if you're a 2020 Power Sweep subscriber. So get on board, get that special discount. It's just $59. You're going to be saving money in the long run, and it's cheaper to sign up for it. Uh, future years of power sweep uh, as it is right now. Some of the games we're going to look at uh, today, really uh, looking forward to this. Got uh, uh, four on, on tap for you this week. Is it four, Chris? Or f- Yeah, we got four, four or five. Four, and then the, and then the fifth one is going to be a special power sweep two-star play that we always like to give out. We're going to start off on the East Coast, USF and Georgia Tech, and then going to uh, go to the... Eh, Plains, I guess, Tennessee and BYU go out to Texas a little bit and look at that UTEP-Texas Tech matchup. Going to go out west and and, uh, and and tell you about USC and Stanford. And then again, got a special two-star play for you, and we'll let you know what that play is when we get to it. But uh, Chris, let's without further ado, let's get this party started. USF Georgia Tech, I tell you, man, USF really, really disappointed. Not only me, I think they disappointed a lot of backers last week because I think a lot of people had USF uh, covering the line in that opening week against Wisconsin. We liked USF. They had a new offensive coordinator in Kerwin Bell who did uh, magical things at Valdosta State. He was supposed to bring this offense uh, up to par, and they just really, really struggled. Blake Barnett had a couple of uh, drops early by his receivers, and it really seemed to deflate the Bulls in that blowout loss uh, to Wisconsin. Georgia Tech, on the other hand, I mean, we everybody, I think, saw that loss coming. I mean, they were playing the defending national champion Clemson Tigers. No shame in Georgia Tech's loss at all. Uh, the thing about Georgia Tech that had 
has us a little concerned, though, or very concerned, I should say, is the fact that Jeff Collins, new head coach there, solid coach, nothing wrong with the coach, nothing wrong with the hire, but he is changing schemes uh, across the board for Georgia Tech, no longer running that triple option offense and going to be going to more of a conventional offense. And that is going to take some time because all of their players uh, previously were recruited on offense uh, specifically for uh, that option attack and not and and not, and changing that even though they did run some option principles a little bit last week I think they were just being vanilla because they knew they weren't going to have a chance against Clemson going to see more of a wide open Georgia Tech offense this week but uh, uh USF really 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 needs to do something here and uh before I give out what I think will happen Chris I just want to get your thoughts you're the AC you're the ACC coordinator uh, for us here at North Coast Sports and um, Georgia Tech uh, has you know the new coach there, Jeff Collins. I'm familiar with a lot from being at Temple, uh, being in the American Athletic Conference, a conference that I look over uh, quite extensively on a, on a daily basis. Did a great job, but uh, I think he'll get Georgia Tech turned around eventually. But I think this year is going to be a lot of growing pains down there. No doubt. Whenever you switch from an offense like the triple option, uh, you know, going from smaller, uh, quicker offensive linemen to now they're trying to beef their guys up. Uh, it's going to take some time, and you know they didn't even have a tight end on the roster last year. Now they're running tight ends out there, but it's going to take some time. I did notice that, like you said, they ran some triple option principles last week. They played three different quarterbacks, uh, you know, and Jeff Collins said they were going to. But I was surprised that Lucas Johnson, who was supposed to be the best passer of the three, only had two pass attempts. They actually ran their quarterbacks. 25 times and the quarterbacks combined for only 18 pass attempts. So I think it might be a case of Collins recognizes that his three quarterbacks are all skilled runners, less skilled passers. So he might be playing to their strengths for now as they build this offense up. My bigger concern with Georgia Tech right now is their defensive line. Uh, they have zero experience coming back from last year. So uh, not good on the defensive line there. And Admittedly, I have nothing good to say about last week's performance by South Florida. You mentioned the, the the rough outcome against Wisconsin. I was one of those people that was on South Florida, and that that was a bad one. I admit it. But uh, with the Jackets' defensive line in shambles, they gave up 411 rushing yards last week. It is Clemson, but it's Week One. You'd like to see a better performance out of a defensive line. South Florida can run the ball. They've got uh, Jordan Scarlett, transfer from Florida a couple years ago, came over, had a good year last year, averaged 194 rushing yards a game last year, 4.9 yards per game, uh, yards per carry, four offensive line starters back this year. So uh, experience edge also goes to South Florida. I, I think the Bulls win this one. It's going to be an upset. But, I mean, they, they won this game last year when Georgia Tech had a, a, a better defense and more experience. So i got to go with the Bulls. Jordan Concrete, but we know who you're talking oh. about. You know it's a Jordan, and, yeah, I knew we, we know exactly what you mean there. No no worries Sorry there. No, 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 no. We know exactly what you mean. Yeah, it's a Jordan, uh, and it and, and it is a, a, an SEC transfer, so yeah. we'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Scarlett was the old Florida running back that was gone a couple of years ago. I, I got my Jordans confused from Florida. Yeah, we knew what you meant. I knew what you meant there. So uh, here's what I think. I mean, I, 
Ah, gosh, obviously, you know, I'm going to look really, really bad look going with USF again, but I, I think that they're going to look uh, uh, a lot better this week. I think that offense is going to start clicking the right way this week. Um, you know, this is a team that has nine starters back on offense. Uh, Blake Barnett is an experienced quarterback. They got the receiver. They got the running back. Uh, I look at I look at um, uh, Kerwin Bell, and I really, really, really like this offensive coordinator hire. It's not like Charlie Strong just forgot how to coach all of a sudden. I think USF is going to battle back, look good in this game. They're a big dog, almost double-digit dog here uh, in this game. Georgia Tech's on an 0-4 ATS run. I like USF not only to cover, but I'm going to call for USF to pull the outright upset, Chris. Call me crazy. I agree. I agree. And uh, I I think the defensive deficiencies for Georgia Tech are going to show up in this game. And South Florida, they're better than what they showed last week. You have to expect that they uh, they want to come out and have a better performance. And they'll be confident against the Jackets because they beat them last year. So I agree. I think that the Bulls can win this game. I think they will. All right, moving along to the uh, Plains region of the country. We've got, uh, man, it's tough to be a Rocky Top fan, but, uh, you know, Tennessee Vols and, and BYU uh, both suffered uh, some uh, emotional losses last week. Obviously, BYU in the Holy War against Utah, they always want to win that game. And then Tennessee, um, uh, gosh, you know, talking to uh, Chris here, who is a big Tennessee Volunteer fan. Um, realistic volunteer, vol- volunteer fan, but still, nonetheless, uh, just I was wondering. I was really worried about you, Chris, coming in on Sunday. <laughs> I didn't know if you were going to make it after that. After that day, uh, losing, falling outright to Georgia State. When you texted me earlier in the day and you were telling me, "Yeah, Tennessee, they they might actually lose this game," and I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" I start looking at it more intently, and I'm like, "Holy cow! I can't believe this is happening." But uh, nonetheless, it, it it is happening. Unfortunately for Tennessee. Tennessee uh, fans uh, got, just uh, can't get any worse than that. Uh, looking at this game, though, you know, BYU against Utah. You know, I actually thought BYU was going to cover the, the game last week against Utah. Uh, this is a game that's, that normally is close each and every year, the Holy War. And if not for a couple of interception return touchdowns by Utah, the game would have been, uh, they would have covered the game. That being said, let's be honest here, BYU's offense was downright just awful. Uh, there's no no denying that. Um, the thing with Tennessee, though, Chris, I mean, they, the thing that concerns me, not that I don't think that they can win this game, but, man, I, there's got to be some hangover effect. Has anything that you've heard from down in Knoxville this week, are they talking about that at all? I mean, are the players reacting? I mean, you know they want to you know bounce back, but – Good goodness gracious! That was they. They gotta have feel some hangover after that. Well, they you know they've done they've said all the right things for the most part, aside from one wide receiver who is now in the transfer portal. Um, the, Jawan Jennings, the wide receiver, had a great game last week. Stepped up. Uh, he's the leader of this team, and he absolutely said they will get it fixed. So there is some leadership. They had their you know their usual team meeting, which everyone has after a big loss. So that's not abnormal. But um, I, I, there is, uh, I, I wouldn't say it's a hangover. It's more of a gut check. It's more of a, you know, everyone is questioning effort in Knoxville right now. And, and I've seen some highlights where kids jog into the ball on defense, uh, not not stepping in to make a block when, it, when you needed it. Uh, some questionable decisions offensively from Garantano. So I... I 
I think that the talent is there, but the, there's some coaching issues and there's some uh, work issues, some effort issues that they have to fix. Um, as far as the on-the-field product this week, I have to think that you're going to see a better effort because there's no way you can come out after that game, and I have to attribute that a lot to effort. I also have to attribute it to uh, looking ahead to BYU a little bit. I don't think they took Georgia State seriously. I don't think they expected a team that went 2-10 and 10 in the Sun Belt to come in and uh, actually try. <laughs> so I, th- I think they thought they were just going to roll over, and Georgia State didn't, and the next thing you know, it's a ball game, and Tennessee didn't respond well. That's that that's evident by the outcome. So um, some things that I noticed about this game that concerned me. Uh, the one thing that really I didn't like was the rotation of offensive line players for Tennessee. Ten different offensive linemen played in this game for Tennessee, and I don't think it allowed them to get any cohesion in their running game. I have to think that Jeremy Pruitt recognizes this, and he's going to have to settle down on some offensive linemen, decide who his guys are, and play them. They were rotating a lot of guys, and they were mixing spots up where the guys weren't even playing the spots they were playing for the most of preseason, and the running game suffered from it. Uh Garantano really did have a good passing game, had a bad uh, bad decision in the red zone that hurt him. I, I think that they're going to have to run the ball better. They got outrushed 213-93 to against Georgia State, and that's, that's not Tennessee football. Thinking back to the years where Tennessee was successful, uh, Travis Henry, Travis Stevens, Jamal Lewis, even as recent as when Jalen Hurd's first couple of years when he was running well and Alvin, Alvin Kamara, they need to run the ball to be successful. So I think that you're going to get a better effort on the offensive line, a more cohesive effort on the offensive line, and they have too much talent to me to start 0-2. Uh, if they go 0-2, they're looking at a possible 1-6 start with the schedule they have coming up with Georgia, Alabama, Florida. Mississippi State's looking like a lot better than a lot of people realize because of Tommy Stevens. So a 1-6 start is realistic if they lose this game. They have got to come out and win. I think the Vols will get it done. Calm the storm, calm everyone down, and make them realize it's a long season. It's one game. It, it's bad, but they, they still have a chance to have a successful season if they put it together this week. One thing I got to say, last thing on this game, Tennessee fans, let's stop with the Urban Meyer talk already. Just stop it. Urban Meyer is not coming to Knoxville. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard. I've seen. Well, I've seen multiple people on Twitter saying they should get a hold of Urban Meyer, start calling him already. Slow down. Urban Meyer is not coming to Knoxville. Antonio's right. If one of the problems I think the Tennessee's had in the past is they get unrealistic expectations of who their new head coach is going to be. The groomers, every time they have a coaching search, slow down. Let Jeremy Pruitt try to figure this out. Tennessee needs stability in this program to be successful. They can't go firing a coach after two seasons, even if this is a really rough year and they do end up like 3-9 and nine or 4-8. and eight. It's a step back, and Pruitt needs to do something. He's a young head coach. This is only his second year as a head coach. Let him make mistakes. Let him figure it out. Hopefully it gets better. That's all I can say about that. Can't get worse. No, no, it surely cannot. Not after that loss. And it's you know what? It's unfortunate. I I don't like to see blue bloods down. And Tennessee is a blue blood. 
that has been down for quite a while, and and uh, hopefully they'll get it they'll get it fixed sooner rather than later. All right, let's move along uh, to the state of Texas here. I'm, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this game. I mean, um, it, this is this has got blowout written all over it to me. They were talking about UTEP at Texas Tech, and uh, you know what? I'm going to tell you something, uh, guys out there listening. The best quarterback in the country that you've never heard of, Alan Bowman from Texas Tech. He is tremendous. Uh, Just lights out, accurate, has a big arm, could be that next Texas Tech guy that comes into the NFL and and, and does something a la Patrick Mahomes. But uh, UTEP, they allowed 300 yards and and 73% completions last week against Houston Baptist. Imagine what Alan Bowman is going to do. I don't think, you know, we, we look at the, the lines this week and you look at uh, Alabama's line against New Mexico State. Geez, you almost could could put the Texas Tech line against UTEP in this game as far as a similar line. Uh, I, Texas Tech blowout. That's all I can say. Texas Tech all over UTEP. Lay the lumber in this one. Well, it seemed like UTEP actually started to improve at the end of last year. They covered a couple games, played played a couple tight games against some of the better teams of CUSA. But uh, based on last last week's uh, start to the season, it seems like they've they're down again. They've regressed. Uh, Houston Baptist two wins in two years. One was over a Division two school, so uh, not a team you want to be down thirty four to thirty three mid fourth quarter and have to get a game winning field goal. Uh, well, a game go ahead field goal with about eight minutes left. That that's not the way you want to start your season. UTEP also lost their top playmaker from last year running back Quadres Wadley uh, in the preseason. So uh, not a whole lot of playmakers back on that offense. Uh, Brandon Jones started a quarterback only 40, 49% last year, 4-5 to uh, ratio. So not not great quarterback play either. Uh, you mentioned the, the defensive struggles last week, big concern. Texas Tech beat a FCS playoff team last week 45-10. to 10. Uh, piled up 691 yards, so they they beat a FCS playoff team by 35. What do you think you're going to do when you play a a team that almost lost to one of the worst teams in all of FCS? I completely agree. And one other thing I like, uh, Matt Wells, first-year coach at Texas Tech from Utah State, not afraid to cover those big lines. 11-3 and as a 20-plus point favorite. 5-1 and one last year when favored by 20 or more, so... They should cruise easy. I've got them by over five touchdowns. Should be an easy win for the Red Raiders. And and let's not forget, to, uh, Cliff Kingsbury did leave this program. He did, it's not like he left it bare. I mean, you know, they got rid of him. They fired him. But uh, this, this, he's an this, NFL coach yes, now, Yeah, he's an NFL coach, and this team had some talent. All right, moving along. That's enough about UTEP and Texas Tech. I think we everybody knows just lay the lumber on that one. Let's go out to Cali, and let's talk about a game that could feature a couple of backup quarterbacks, although K.J. Costello could return for Stanford. We do know that USC starting quarterback J.T. Daniels Daniels is out for the year, unfortunately, suffered that knee injury. So uh, could have two backup quarterbacks, although Costello maybe might be able to do something. We'll see uh, as it gets closer. That being said, I'm going to look at uh, coaching edge and a big coaching edge for Stanford here. Uh, also, you got USC quarterback Slovis. He's a true freshman making his first career start. Uh, 
you know, at home, so he's going to have some jitters. I think they kept it conservative when he when he went in the game last week. USC did, and I think that sets up for this game more so than leaning with Stanford, which I do like Stanford. Uh, they they got they got a good series run in this uh, you know in this series here. They've they've covered ten out of the last fourteen meetings. They do well as a dog, and uh, I, as much as I do think that they will cover. Uh, I, I, you know, when you're talking about defense, we went with Stanford last week on an under. You're talking about young quarterback play. I look at the under in this game, even if KJ Costello does play for Stanford, I still think they're going to be careful with him. And I see this game being a low scoring game, Chris. Well, that's evident by the total. I think it's sitting at about 45, I believe. Uh, last week we did cash that easy, uh, went on a top top totals play on the under uh, 17-7 against Northwestern horrible beat if you had Northwestern with that late fumble going back into the end zone Northwestern offensive lineman had a chance to fall on it and save you from the bad beat and they unfortunately slipped right out of his big belly and uh, you uh, Stanford got that extra touchdown to push it uh, to a 10 point game um David Mills, 50% last week. Didn't see a whole lot out of him. One thing that does concern me is that left tackle for Stanford being out four to six weeks. Leaves Stanford with only one returning offensive line starter. Uh, it is hard to go either way in this game just because of the uh, the uncertainties with the injuries. Only eight returning starters from Stanford, uh, con- with the in- including the injury. USC only has 10 after you take out JT Daniels. Uh Stanford has a series edge, so I'm going with Stanford here. Yeah, I, USC struggles at home, three and eight against the spread at home, and uh, Stanford again, uh, 26 and 11 on the Pac-12 road. So uh, against the spread, you got to like those technical angles that that favor Stanford. And again, uh, I'll take the coaching edge with Stanford as well. But again, low scoring game if you're uh, playing at home. All right, that moves us along to our power sweep selection. Um, and uh, we always give out a two-star in the power sweep. Uh, last week, we put out a two-star on Rutgers. We the Rutgers, we turned into the, our top-rated side selection of the weekend for our late phone customers. They got a big four-star winner there, uh, improved that game up to the four-star. And we're going to go right back to the well, and we're going to go with this Rutgers versus Iowa game. And I look for an improved Rutgers uh, team, not to win outright, not to pull the upset, but to keep this game much closer than expected. Iowa's got some injuries. We talk about offensive linemen being hurt, Chris, uh, for Stanford. Uh, Iowa's got a, got a couple of offensive linemen out, led by left tackle Alaric Jackson, who is a bona fide NFL uh, prospect. Potential draft pick last year came back. He's out for this game. They've got another offensive lineman out. Iowa's got two defensive backs, Julius Brents and Riley Moss, both injured as well. That sets up things nicely for Rutgers' new starting quarterback, McLean Carter. Yes, he had a couple of interceptions last week against UMass. Uh I'll just chalk that up as him not being being had not played for a little bit. I think he'll come out a little bit more uh more precise this week. Kinnick's not the 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 best place to play for a for a visiting team, but you know what? Rutgers ended the season very very good last year. They 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 played much closer against Michigan State than expected, and uh, and also played well at Wisconsin. So you got two road games that they did at the end of, that they played in last at the end of last year. 
played closer than expected in both of those. They open up this year. They were a heavy favorite. They started out very scary, I'm not going to lie, but then they got things situated and, and ended up covering that line with no problem at all. I do think McLean Carter is going to look good. Rutgers is on a 6-0 and ATS run going back to last year, Chris, and I'll take a run all day, all, all, all that I can. Iowa, as good as they are in Kinnick, you realize they're just 8-18 eight and 18 as a double-digit Big Ten favorite? Uh, so, you, get, you, look at, you look at this team, you look at this game, you look at this team, you look at this matchup, Again, Iowa will win on the scoreboard, but give me Rutgers plus the points. I was pretty impressed with Rutgers last week. You know, I was all over Rutgers all summer when I saw the early line for that game uh, against UMass. Uh, now, admittedly, they got a, they got off to a rough start, and I was in panic mode. My wife was like asking me, "Well, am I going to be in a bad mood all day?" Uh, luckily, Rutgers got that one turned around after a twenty-one-seven deficit early, outscored UMass forty-one nothing the rest of the way. Uh, running back Pacheco, 156 yards, 7.8 yards per carry, four touchdowns. It's against a bad UMass team. I get it. But, you know, now they're stepping into Big Ten play. And you're right. Uh, Chris Ash has Rutgers competing, and that's that's the important thing. A couple years ago when you remember Rutgers getting beat by 60, 70 points, they weren't competing. Now they're competing. Now they're fighting. A uh, little more talent, and I think they're believing in the system. They're buying into Chris Ash. You know, and and this is important for Chris Ash because if he wants to maintain this job, he's going to have to pull a couple upsets maybe and stay competitive in the Big Ten. Can't keep getting blown out. Um, Iowa only ten returning starters this year, plus the injuries you mentioned, uh, taking a couple guys away. Rebuilt front seven, only one of their front seven from last year returned, Uh, and. Just three and eight when favored by twenty plus. They did cover last week against Miami of Ohio. That was a late cover. They typically don't do well when they're favored by more than twenty points. And you just don't think about Iowa as a big scoring team. They're usually a defensive team. Uh, d- defensive teams like that don't typically cover those big lines because they don't score enough to do it. Uh, big game on deck with Iowa State. So I've got to go with Rutgers. They're going to be fired up for Big Ten play. They're, they're going to want to stick around, make this competitive. They won't pull the upset. But, uh, you know, if you're, you're back in Rutgers, I think you'll come away happy in this one. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. And, um, you know, going back one, real quick, I like what you said about Iowa. Uh, I think they scored two touchdowns in the final five minutes of that game to to, to take that uh, get over the line in there. Yeah, much, much uh, closer than the school final score indicated. Definitely, and you can do that against a downtrodden team like they were playing last week, a MAC team, but, uh, you know, this is a Big Ten team, and I know Rutgers isn't your typical Big Ten. This isn't your physical Big Ten team, but still, it's a Big Ten team with Big Ten athletes, and I don't think they're going to be able to wear them down like they did last week uh, late in the game. So, again, think, go at Rutgers, plus the points that's our two star in power plays by the way it was a winner last week and power sweep power sweep but what did i say power plays power places power sweep i meant yeah power plays is another newsletter that we have we, if you want a power play subscription by the way if you are a power sweep subscriber power plays has our computer projections on every single game you get a box score of every single game what our computer thinks the outcome of the game will be that is only $50 with your Power Sweep subscription. So it's discounted there. It's normally $99 for the season. But if you have a Power Sweep subscription, you can get Power Plays for only $50 with your Power Sweep subscription. Again, that has a, a box score on every single FBS versus FBS and NFL game. Uh, 
that our computer, you know, based on our computer projections. And we look at our computer, and our computer does pretty solid work uh, normally. So that's that's what we have there for the power plays. Again, want to remind you, top play trio this week. Get on board. That's our big one we're looking at. You can get it as low as $59. You get our top side on Saturday, our top total on Saturday, and our top NFL play on Sunday, all for as low as $59 if you're a 2020 Power Sweep subscriber. And if you're not a Power Sweep subscriber yet, come on, what are you waiting for? This is this is a, a great weekly newsletter, $99 for the email version. will get you set up all the way through the Super Bowl. It doesn't get better than that. Yeah, trust me, you're, you're, the content in it, it's going to it's gonna keep you busy, keep you reading, and, and keep you interested all year long. It's got a lot of good information. We'll give you some winning plays, college and NFL in there. Uh, you know, a lot of value in Power Sweep. And the Power Plays as well, you get some star-rated plays that are separate from that Power Sweep. And Power Plays gives you those com- uh, computer-generated box scores. Helps us in totals a lot when we're looking at it. That's uh, one of the things we look at when we're doing our totals. It's amazing how often those computer uh, projections, especially with the yards, come out close, very close and uh, indicate to us which way a game will go totals-wise. Definitely. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the, inaugur- the, the first edition of the Power Sweep podcast presented by North Coast Sports here. Uh, For Chris Van Dyne, I'm Antonio Castro. Thanks again for tuning in and listening, and we will talk to you again next Thursday.